John, welcome to the IBM Developer Podcast. Thank you for being a guest. Really delighted to be here, Luke. Could you start off with just a brief introduction for our listeners? So my name is John Wallachie, and I'm an IBM developer advocate. I mentor at hackathons. I speak at conferences. I teach workshops. I love to develop content that inspires developers and really make their products and their projects come to life. And I know you've been working on some tech for good projects. So IBM has a a very large code and response program. It's a four-year, $25 million program to uh, really inspire developers to use their skills towards uh, solving some of the world's hardest problems. So natural disaster preparation, response, and recovery. Uh, We have other examples of using tech for good to um, use take their skills and and bring them to to the problems in near in, the, in their communities what are some examples of places that you've seen this impact in 2019 the call for code hackathon ran for several months and after a very long judging process we were really delighted announced the prize winners was uh, team Mateo and they were a uh, team from Barcelona, Spain. The particular team instrumented a firefighter turnout code because there's firefighters that are out trying to tackle wildfires in the Spanish outback. The firefighters are exposed to all sorts of toxic chemicals and they're exerting themselves for long periods of time. So this particular set of sensors on their coat was able to record their exertion, their exposure, and was really interesting. They were able to use that data now to have a long history of the individual firefighter and the and their maybe the conditions they might have in the future. Interesting. That was last year's winner, uh, which wildfires are still a big problem this year. What are you working on uh, moving forward? What what's Call for Code and Code and Response 2020 have in store? <laughs> it's hard for me to pre-announce it, Luke, but I can tell you the topics that are coming in Call for Code 2020 is all about climate change and energy resilience, trying to apply and understand how we misuse some of our natural resources and maybe do a better job in the future by reducing some of the impacts of climate change. The Call for Code team will assemble in the United Nations Palace Wilson in Geneva. And as part of that workshop, we'll bring developers from all around the world, a very small select group, to build some of the starter kits for the Call for Code 2020. And so we'll, we're bringing uh, developer advocates and smart developers from, from a variety of industries to the iconic building right on on the Lake Lucerne to go work for for several days on getting jumpstart material for all of the Call for Code participants. Wow, this is so interesting. So let me ask you this, John. What are we doing here today? We're we're actually at another Code and Response uh, sponsored event. What's going on here today? So here today, we have in New York City, a AI health hackathon, which is an amazing group of medical professionals, data scientists, students uh, from world-class New York medical institutions 
come together for a whole weekend to focus on some of the hardest medical problems that we've got facing us today. So why is IBM here? IBM joined the AI Health Hackathon because we want to announce a code of response initiative to tackle the coronavirus epidemic that's now raging in China, but certainly we're starting to see it spread in other countries. And we think it's, we need to, all of us, the global developer community and uh, get out in front of this. Now we know our medical teams are protecting us, the CDC and and the, the European health ministries are all uh, working on virus response. But I think we've got opportunities for public health data analysis, for, for awareness. Uh, how do we educate the population on looking for symptoms and reporting those symptoms? And, and so there's opportunities for us at a hackathon to come up with some really great ideas. That's really interesting. And I think you know, being a developer, uh, I'm not surprised that this can have impact, but I feel in general, people may not realize that actually something like, say, wildfires or a drought or a public health crisis, it's not just the vaccine. It's not just the water going on the fire. There's all kinds of supply chains and prediction, and there's all kinds of ways that computer development and data science can affect these. I think there's going to be some wonderful insights that come out of the data analysis and the data science. We have here at this hackathon some some brilliant data scientists looking at population demographics, taking a look at the um, the drug vaccine, the drug, the actual molecules themselves, and starting to do uh, some deeper searches around how do we find more effective drugs. How do we find those that are more susceptible? How do we reach out to those communities? How do we um, build the right applications and notification tools to really make a difference and, and save lives? That's fantastic. Now, I'd like to diverge for a second uh, just because, you know, I've been fortunate enough to go to a, a lot of hackathons and participate as a mentor. Um but maybe some of our listeners aren't really familiar with what, what constitutes a hackathon. So uh, I'd like to just, I, I, it just occurred to me, like, let's get that in there. Like, what, what is, uh, set the scene for us? How does a hackathon usually play out? Who shows up? What, what comes out of it? So hackathons are this wonderful time-compressed opportunity to go focus on a theme. Very often the most successful hackathons that I've mentored at have a theme. They, so in this case, it's AI and health. In uh, our, when we're bringing a coronavirus challenge to it, so you've got really smart people looking at a topic. You dangle a prize in front of them, and uh, an opportunity to really come outside of their normal day jobs and their normal student activities and build something in a 24, 48 hour time period. And it's a small team, four, five people. Um, tell a story, uh, show a demo build a prototype. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. And a hackathon is not about a full business case, many months of work, full startup. It's about taking a seed of an idea and turning it into a, a story and a little bit of code and a great demo. And, you know, I always have this wonderful um, workshop where I teach uh, how to win a hackathon. And I, I teach the the, the steps, how to make that the judge 
cry in four minutes, right? Pull them in, um, tell them a story, show them their code, do a demo, tell the judge why it matters, and what are you going to do next with it? So I wonder, hackathons are a wonderful opportunity to, to learn a new skill, to apply what you already know to something different, uh, to meet new people, to try out things maybe you wouldn't necessarily do uh, in you know your normal student or normal day job. And let me ask you this. Who, who attends hackathons and who should attend hackathons? Is it only hardcore engineers? Is it like, who, who is here? So who comes to a hackathon? I wish more people would come to hackathons because the best teams comprise, yes, so maybe a little bit development skills, but you want a designer. You want someone who can build a presentation, who can build a business story, who can um, be the the use case. Uh, I, I think some of the best hackathons will actually reach out to the community and pull in those that are affected. So if I want to go solve a problem, well, I want first first person, first-hand experience. And so if I have someone on my team that has that problem, then then we can do those interviews and understand their their issues and maybe build a solution that's that's really tailored. That's fascinating. And uh, do sometimes actually like ongoing projects come out of these hackathons? Very often the best ideas will will continue on because there's an opportunity to build a startup around that idea. There's an opportunity to talk to a startup incubator and bring and find investors. So I've seen quite a few hackathon winners turn into startup businesses. It's really fascinating. And I, I, I can see this, uh, you know, having been to, like I said, I've participated in a number of hackathons as well, and I really have seen, too, the benefit to the individuals, right? So I have some wonderful stories of watching and, and mentoring uh, individuals through uh, their, their entire hackathon career, call it that, uh, where they might start out as a freshman and they'll come for the first year. They, they're sort of green. They don't really know what this is all about. They're, they heard there's food and pizza. Uh, they're, they're not so sure of their skills yet and what they can offer. And if you get them to stay and get them involved and get them on a team, then they, they start to say, oh, I, I was able to contribute towards whatever project that was. And there's a number of universities that I return to year over year over year and they're on my calendar, and I'll return again next year. And I've now seen this, these individuals through when they were freshmen and when they were sophomores and when they were juniors, and now they're going off to as seniors, and I've asked them what their career aspirations are and where they've applied and where they've been accepted to. And that, that growth that I've seen in those individuals over the course of the, the time that I've mentored, only one weekend a year. I've been out to some of these universities, and I've met some really fantastic uh, students that have developed into, I think, early professionals ready to enter the workforce because of some of the hackathon uh, experiences they had. That is fantastic and heartening. And it makes me think, too, of another call to action instead of, you know, Maybe uh, someone listening, it's, you know, an opportunity for you to go to a hackathon and participate as, uh, a, you know, uh, 
a participant, but also there's opportunities here for mentorship, right? If you're in the technical space or, again, it sounds like there's hackathons in every single kind of, right? There's law hackathons, health hackathons, all, all kinds of things. So there's actually probably room for subject matter experts to come and mentor uh, regionally at hackathons everywhere. I So as you become more senior, I am convinced that it's your responsibility to pass your skills to the next generation of of whatever field you're in. And maybe you do that at work. Maybe you do that with your children. I think we should also do it in our professions. Um, we can gather, and it's hard to find, okay, who am I going to mentor? It's, it's so you don't put a shingle on your door and say you're a mentor. You go to a hackathon or you go to an event or you go to the local library and you find opportunities to engage that someone a ladder below you and help them pull them up or someone is just starting the ladder and reach down and, and give them a lifeline, uh, get them um, maybe on the right track. I've mentored a whole diverse set of individuals. I'm very, very delighted to look back across the mentoring uh, that I've done. And I've gotten as much enrichment, I think, out of their opinions and perspectives, then I've, yes, I was able to help them, but I think they were also able to help me. That's fantastic. So let me ask you this, John, if uh, folks want to keep up with uh, your work and find out more about Code and Response and Call for Code, what are some URLs? I know you have a lot on GitHub as well, but what what are your social media and your code-based URLs? Mm. What do our listeners need to know? So find me in GitHub at John Wallachy. Find me on Twitter at John Wallachy. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. Search for John Wallachy. And one, I love to share my code. I have a wonderful following of people who are interested in my set of expertise around IoT and Edge and machine learning and AI and IBM Cloud. And I kind of stay on message towards those things. And I don't tweet about my depressing jets and I don't tweet about the politics of the day. I stay on message to, to that because that's what my followers are interested in hearing my perspective on, on those computing topics. In my Git repository, I love to share my code. I want people to, to fork my code and build something better. I love patches. So if you see my code and it's, it's junk, and let's be honest, I put out some junk sometimes and then I work with the community and it, let, and it evolves and it gets better. And so I think the collaborative effort in, in sharing code is really important. Open source is a big part of my career. So certainly find me in those places, uh, connect with me, engage me in your problems and your projects. And I, I love to, to help guide you. Hey, I, and maybe my Git repository doesn't have the answer to your question, but I've seen a Git repository, or I've seen a tutorial, or I've seen a code pattern that might help you on your learning journey. And I'll be quick to say, oh, look at this. And whether you find it on IBM, develop, you know, developer.ibm.com, or you find it on LinkedIn, on Medium, there's a, there's a quite a few resources that I can point developers to. Excellent. And if folks are interested in the upcoming Call for Code competition, where should they look out for that? So head if you're interested in Call for Code, head to callforcode.org. Uh, head to 
uh, developer.ibm.com slash call for code. Head to developer.ibm.com slash code and response. All three are great places to, to learn about the 2020 initiatives and, and challenges. And we really hope that you join a team, form a team, submit a project, and maybe we'll meet in October and hand you a check for $200,000. That's amazing. So one last question, and I love to ask everyone this question. It's about your tech origin story. So for me, it was Commodore 64, and I grew up around my family made electronics. So I was just, I knew, I didn't know what, but I knew, I, I thought I was going to own the, the factory that my dad, but that didn't happen. But, yeah. but I knew I was just in love with technology uh, from the first moment I saw it. So uh, what's your tech origin story, John? So my tech origin story, well, starts in high school, and it was... Of I think at, at the early 80s moment where uh, personal computers were becoming available at a, a reasonable price. And I convinced my grandmother to invest in an Apple IIe for me. And I turned that computer into a career now that spans you know 30 plus years. And I, I look back at those times and my, I had an Apple II and my buddy had a PC Junior. And we used to argue over which one was better, uh, whether it was the Apple or the, P, the PC. And, and now, uh, what I've learned, and, and as I move from project to project, um, I happen to be a very big Linux user. And I, I look at other operating systems, and you know, people have fanboy opinions around it. I, I have really decided that over time, there's an, the right operating system and the right platform for the task at hand. So f- find the one that works best and use that. So my origin story starts there and then has evolved as the computing industry has grown. And I kind of grew up with that entire... So I moved through the, the PC era and the operating system wars and then the early internet. We were... I mean, I thought Gopher was fantastic, right? Uh, that was before the the first Netscape browser. I, the first time I saw Mosaic, which was the the first internet browser, it was we compiled it for for AIX at the time, and I said, "Wow, this changes everything." Because prior to the internet browser, there was computers connected. And the browser was the first time that people connected. And so that, I think that was really important. And so we, we kind of saw the internet blossom and we saw mobile blossom. And we certainly have seen Linux blossom in the last uh, 25, 30 years. So it's, it's been a fun journey. I'm looking forward to it and what's the yet to come. Thanks for taking the time to sit down and talk today, John. Really delighted, Luke. <laughs>